Well, good morning, every, uh, everyone. I have a friend of mine here, a recent friend named Casey. Let's all welcome Casey uh, here. Uh, Casey is a coordinator for an organization called uh, Safe Families. And uh, what Safe Families is about is uh, when parents hit a crisis, some kind of vulnerability, maybe it's uh, they become homeless or there's mental issues uh, challenging the family, uh, child welfare issues, domestic violence, that um, they try to help the family get connected with a more stable family to be able to um, help that family not get their kids into the foster care system and to be able to help with some of those parenting skills uh, so that there can be uh, more health uh, for that family system. And so uh, we know that Jesus is very clear that he wants us to be able to care uh, for the weak and the fatherless, for uh, children who may be going through uh, different struggles, and parents too, uh, just to be able to give them a boost and some help. And so uh, Casey is here uh, to talk about Safe Families a little bit and for us to uh, learn about that. So uh, why don't you tell us about it a little bit more? What is Safe Families and uh, why is it important? So like Chris said, Safe Families is a volunteer-driven movement um, where we have volunteers who are host families that take in families from chil- or children from families in crisis. Um, so our goal is to be more preventative than the foster care system um, to help families in crisis prior to foster care needing to be in place. Um, and so we are driven to bring back biblical hospitality within the church. Um, so we go to churches to recruit our host families, to recruit our volunteers, um, so that all of our families are doing this out of a ministry, um, out of their love for Jesus and their desire to take care of those children at risk in our community. Um, so our biggest thing is our host families who take in those kids for a certain amount of time, um, and it's all voluntary, and then we are there to support and encourage and provide resources and everything while that's taking place. So um, the reason why it's important is because um, there are a lot of families in our community that need need help, and um, I think the church is the place to do that. The church is the place where we, we have the people and the resources to, to be the help in the community. Um, so we are trying to help prior to foster care or other necessary resources to be involved. So that's what it is. Good. Um, And I know that uh, people here probably have some interest. Some of them do. Mm -hmm. And so how could they go about supporting uh, Safe Families? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways you can support Safe Families. If you want to be involved with this ministry, um, I usually tell people just come talk to me because we have so many ways you can get plugged in. Um, We have different kind of areas where you can be um, involved with the ministry. Um, The first one is being a host family. So that's right on the front lines, taking in kids. Um, That can be, you can do that for, you know, three months out of the year. You can be that all year and kind of decide which placements you want to take. So that's being a host family. And that's, um, we need host families. I'm excited to get involved, like more invested in Delaware County. Right now we're up and going in Madison County. But um, before I can take any kids in Delaware County, I have to have host families. So Um, So we need host families. The next one would be a family friend, and that would be more of a support person for a host family. So helping with transportation or providing some child care for the host child, um, but not necessarily keeping the kid overnight. And then we have a resource friend, which would be more providing resources, baby formula, clothing, donations.
donating furniture um, for a mom or for a family, um, donating money on a monthly basis, um, or being kind of a, a resource for, say, families for a parent. Um, if you have rental properties, we always have parents looking for a place to rent, um, kind of a, those types of resources and being able to support that way. Um, we also have volunteer case coaches, which would be more doing case management um, and checking in on the kids and the host family. Sometimes you can be um, doing stuff with the, the placing parents as well. Um, and that doesn't, you don't need any social work background for that. We give you a lot of training for that. And then um, if you want to, if you're a big prayer warrior and you want specific prayer requests from safe families, we, you can kind of sign up to get those. Um, and then the way that anybody can be helping us in recent, like soon, is August 13th, we are having a concert for a cause. Um, Sean McDonald, who is a a Christian artist will be coming to Anderson um, to support safe families, and we'll have an auction and all kinds of good stuff there. So if you don't have anything on that day, come out and support us, and um, you can hear more about us and more about what we're doing in the community. So those are some, those are a lot of ways to get involved. Okay. Yeah, and, and one thing that's helpful, it doesn't necessarily mean you take the child or children and you have them forever. You're a volunteer, so you have an opportunity to kind of say, hey, you know what, I can do weekends or I can help with this. So there's a lot of different ways that you can participate to help. Now, if some people really want to get involved today, at least they want more information, how uh, would a next step, what would that look like? Yep. So me and my intern, Mickey, are going to be in, in the back at the table across from the small groups table. Uh, we have brochures there. We have a sign-up sheet, and I have my, some of my business cards. So if you have more questions um, or you just want to take a brochure and think about it or take my card and send me some questions later or meet with me later, um, feel free to do that. Or we will have a question and answer session um, in the exercise room after the service. Um, so if you want to come and ask me some specific questions about what more about safe families or becoming a host family or what you can do to help um, I will be around that area and we can um, you can ask me all kinds of questions so those are ways you can get involved or yeah. next step well we we have one family already uh, that is a part of this and uh, one of the children that they took care of was actually at our kids camp last year and uh, has impacted uh, his life and his family's life and so um, kids camp is tonight at 6 o'clock, so make sure that you're here for that. And uh, secondly, um, I hope you'll really at least stop by, pick up something, write your name down, say, hey, I'd like to have a little bit more information. And then if you have more questions, uh, you can just go and ask. And uh, a great way for us to be able uh, to support uh, safe families. So um, we have one family. I hope that we can get two more so that we could have three all together. Um, and so uh, if you're interested in any of that, just let them know. It doesn't mean you're signing up today. Uh, it just says you have some interest, and there'll be tons of training uh, that safe families can do uh, that way. So uh, let's thank Casey again for coming uh, and sharing that with us. Well, my family has a tradition that each fall when we get together uh, in the fall as a family, we go to a place called One Fun Farm. Has anyone ever been to One Fun Farm before? Farmland, Indiana. Okay. If you haven't, you should do that because it's a lot of fun. 
And uh, it's just this farm, and they open it up, and there's a lot of fun stuff to do. And so we uh, go out, and we get pumpkins, and uh, we go on a hayride, we do a corn maze, all that kind of stuff, just to have a really good time. Now, we started this tradition about four to five years ago, and my girls were very, very small and tiny, and uh, they became addicted to this thing called the Caltrain, in which... Uh, there is a lawnmower that is connected to all of these little buckets that look like cows, and the kids get in them, and they take them on a little ride. Now, the very first year, my wife thought it would be really fun if I got in with them. I did not think it was so much fun, but we did take a picture. I think we have it there right now. (laughs) That looks like pain. Um, You know what has happened since that day? I've had hemorrhoids for the last five years. I mean, it's, no, I'm, just, I'm joking. Um, but uh, it, it was bad. It was tight. It was not a lot of fun. Uh, but we did that anyway. Now, there was another particular game that uh, my kids like to play as well that dealt with uh, helping kids understand how an actual uh, well, pumping kind of well works. And they uh, take these uh, different little duckies and they put them on these long, uh, plastic kind of races, and kids will uh, be able to have duck races and see the water uh, pump itself up and out through the trough and then down. And uh, when we went the first time, and every time that I ever see a pump that's like the one up there or similar to the one that we have here, I'm immediately transported back to a moment in which uh, I was a small child and I spent the night at some uh, friend's house who had a well, and they had a pump, and it worked. You would pump it, and water would actually come up. And I was always amazed at, like, how did the water get to the top uh, to where uh, you could see this water? And it was flowing. And one day I was asking uh, my friend's dad, I was like, well, how does this thing work? And he's like, well, this well goes down, you know, um, many, many feet, And it goes down so far, and it's connected to a river, which is connected to a reservoir. And we could pump this particular well, similar to this one, for as long as we needed. And we would always have water. And I thought to myself, I was like amazed at how could that actually happen. But it can. Well, today, uh, I want us to look at a beatitude that talks about the concept of thirsting for something more. Um, It'll come up on the side screen, and I'd like us all to read it out loud together. Let's all read this out loud together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And that's what we want to look at. We've been looking at uh, the beatitudes of Jesus. They're just blessings that he says, Blessed are you when you do this. Blessed are you when you do that. Here, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that if you do that, you'll be filled. So my question this morning for you is how hungry and thirsty are you this morning for righteousness? How hungry and thirsty are you to live your life God's way? How much time would you say you spend with God 
each day. If we were to take a tally of how much time you spent with God yesterday, how much time would that be? When was the last time that you pulled yourself away and you just prayed to God? When was the last time that you said, hey, I'm going to take this book called the Bible and rather than just leaving it on the, the bookcase, I'm going to open it up. I'm actually going to, to look inside it. When was the last time that you took 10 minutes and you just said, God, I just want to give you these 10 minutes. Whatever you want to say to me through my spirit or something else, I, I'm open to it. When was the last time that you allowed God to actually like fill your tank, your spiritual tank, so that you would be made full? Well, today we want to look at a very big idea, our sticky statement. We've had a beatitude or a blessing that God gives us, and then a sticky statement each day uh, or each Sunday uh, for the last four, and this is our sticky statement for today. And it's this, time with God fills my tank. When I have time with God, it's going to fill my tank. And there's a, a little tag that was in your program that you can put on your keychain. If you don't know anything about our keychain and each day that, or each Sunday we get a different tag, you can go to the resource table and they're free. They have them for you. But there's a reminder for you this week. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then on the back side of it, it says, time with God fills my tank. And I pray that would stick all week long. You know, there have been multiple times in my life in which I have been spiritually empty. My soul is depleted or dry or parched or thirsty. And in those moments, God feels very, very distant. And my moral compass is broke and relationships may feel strained and I feel all alone. And I've experienced this before multiple times in my life. And I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever wrestled with this, right? Like, like I'm the only one. Liars. A bunch of liars. We've all have. Have you ever felt like your spiritual tank was on E? That you just were like, ugh. Have you ever felt like your life was just kind of dry? Well, the good news is that if you've ever experienced that before, or you've ever felt like that before, you're not alone. That people in Jesus' day experience this as well. One day, Jesus goes up to a well to get some water, because he's been walking all day, and he's thirsty, and it's hot, and it's the middle of the day. And as he stands at the well, pretty soon there's this woman that comes up, to him, and this woman is not thirsting for water, but she's thirsting for something more in her spirit because she feels like her tank, her spiritual tank, is on E. And in John chapter 4, verse 5, this is what we read. So he, Jesus, came to town in Samaria called Sychar, just a small little bitty town, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
So here are just a couple of Old Testament heroes, Jacob and Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Now this is what's amazing. That well, 23 centuries later, is still there. In 1938, they did a dig. They found the well. They found that it was 138 feet down. And once they found it and they worked on it, guess what? It still functions today if you go to the Middle East. So Jesus comes to this well and he is tired from this long journey. And he sat down by the well and it was about noon. Now, what you need to understand is that a well at noon in Jesus' day was a very lonely place. Because no one went to get water at noon. You want to take a guess why? It's hot, scorching heat in the Middle East at noon. And so what would happen is in this culture, women would come at 6 o'clock at night when it wasn't so hot to get water for everything that they needed for that night and the next day. And so no woman would ever go there at noon because it was way too hot. No woman would ever come to that well unless why? Why do you think this woman came to that well? She didn't want to be seen. Because no one came at noon. If you come at noon, no one's going to see you. Verse 8. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had already gone into town to buy food. Now there's a lot in these verses that uh, I want to kind of help you understand. First of all, this, if you're a teacher and a rabbi in the Jewish culture at this time, you never talk to a woman and a woman would never come and talk to you. There was two systems and this high protocol. Second, a Jew never would speak to a Samaritan. Samaritans were a despised race of people, even though they descended from the same people. The problem with the Samaritans were they were a mixed race. They were half Jewish, but they were half Samaritans, and Jewish people despised them. Now, part of this was the fact that Samaritans only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament. Everything else they didn't want anything to do with. And so what happened was some idol worship got into the midst of that, and it creeped into their lives. And so as Jews would look at these Samaritans, they actually thought they were demon-possessed. And they thought they would never, ever get into the kingdom of God. Another thing, a Jew would never drink from the vessel of a Samaritan. It just would not happen, especially a Samaritan that's been handling that vessel. Fourth. The disciples, do you remember where the disciples are at when all this is first going on? Where are they at? They're back in town buying the food. Now just think, you're a nice little Jewish boy. You've been told, don't go to Samaritan land. 
And you get there, and if you get there, guess what kind of food you're going to have to eat? Samaritan food that was touched by Samaritans. And that to eat Samaritan food was like eating swine's flesh. And Jewish people would never touch little pigs. And you know the disciples had to be shaking their heads. Jesus says, hey, go in town, get some food. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get killed. We are going to get killed. We are nice little Jewish boys. There's all these Samaritans around us. We're probably not even going to get served. What is Jesus thinking? And this woman, she must have been shaking her head as well. Like, no one ever came at noon to the well. She was always by herself, day after day after day after day. But now there's this guy standing there. And this is what she says in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, I think Jesus initiated the conversation... Not because he was thirsty, but he knew she was thirsty. And he knew that her spiritual tank was on E. He knew that this woman was depleted. I mean, why else do you come to the well by yourself at the scorching heat? In the scorching heat at noonday. If you're coming there, what are you trying to avoid? People. Trying to avoid people gossiping about you. Talking about you behind your back. Avoid the stress, the stares, the whispers of people looking. You see, this lady had a bad reputation. She was pretty hardened by life. And she realized that something was missing in her life. But she didn't know what it was. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew how much God loved you, if you only knew how much I desire to fill your tank, and if you knew who it is that asked for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now remember, this woman has been through a lot in her life. She has been hardened. By life. She realizes that something is missing in her life, but she doesn't know how to deal with it, and she doesn't know if she's sure she wants to deal with it. And I think she has a little bit of an attitude. Because when people are hardened by life, they get attitudes. Now, there was a show back in my college days that we watched all the time, and there was a particular server in this show that had an attitude like none other. The show is called Cheers. Do you know who this is? Her name's Carla. Carla always had an attitude. Now, if you're like in your 20s or below, you're like, who cares? It's one of those old things Bunch shows me. Okay, Google it. Watch it. It'll be some real TV for you, okay? But Carla... She just had this attitude. People would come into the bar in Boston and they would hang out and she would just be like, whatever. And she would not be very hospitable whatsoever. And I think that this particular woman had this same kind of attitude, just a a little bit. A, A few years ago, my wife Jennifer and I, we went to Bob Evans to eat. We took our daughter Jordan with us and 
the server came to our table, and <laughs> this was our first phrase. What do you want? Well, food, you know. And uh, she was not very pleasant at all. And I turned to Jen, and I was like, you watch. I'm going to make her smile before the end of our time here. She's like, Chris. I'm like, you watch. You just watch. So she comes with our food, has all of our food. She brings it. She puts it on the table. And she goes, here you go. Everything okay? And I looked at her. I was like, everything looks great. And your service was so good. Thank you so much for uh, being here. And, you know, thanks. You know, we really appreciate it. She goes, well, I don't know why you ordered a chicken sandwich plain. That sounds stupid to me. She turned around, walked away. And, you know, my wife couldn't pass on this at this point. So she goes, boy, you sure have a way with that server. You just got her to smile, didn't you? It didn't work. And I think, though, that kind of attitude, because you're just kind of hardened and you just don't want to deal with people, and you're hardened because people have always looked down upon you and you come across with that kind of attitude, and I think that's what this woman was. Verse 11. She says, listen, buddy, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get the living water? You think you're all that. You think you can just... Like, get water and you don't even have a bucket or anything? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drunk from it himself and did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Hear really something. You think you're all that. You're, you're greater than Jacob. Verse 13. I think at this point, Jesus starts smiling at her. He's looking at her in the eye. And he sees this emptiness, this thirsting in her soul. And he says, listen, this is a special well. But everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now again, here she is. She's got a little attitude going on because look at what she says in the next verse. Well, sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here at noon every single day. And I think she spins on her heels. She's like, I'm done with you, buddy. And she's walking away. But then look at verse 16. Jesus says this, excuse me, uh, could you go call your husband to come back? And she's walking away and he says, could you call your husband and... She's like, mm. and she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right. When you say you have no husband, you're right. You, you don't have no husband. The fact is you've had five. And the guy that you're sacking up with right now is not your husband. But what you just said is quite true. And Jesus, because he's fully God and he's fully human, he got right into her personal business. 
He's unveiling her emptiness. And what do you do when someone gets a little bit too close to the truth about your life? What do I do? You change the subject. Someone gets a little bit too close to truth in your life and you change the subject. This is what she does. Um, let's talk about religion. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped in the mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Let's have a religious discussion. Let's talk about religion. Let's not talk about me. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about anything else but me. And Jesus says, woman, believe me, religion will leave you empty. Why are you talking about things that are going to leave you empty? That's what you are. You're empty right now. Why are you talking about emptiness? But there's a time that is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has come now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, Jesus is saying it is not about religion. It's not about places. It's not about monuments. It's not about temples. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's about the truth that is in you. I know you're empty. I know you're thirsty. I know you're hungry for something more. But guess what? If you'll come to the well, I can fill your tank and fill your tank and fill your tank and fill your tank. And she starts thinking, could this be? Like, wow. I mean, he's talking about living water, eternal life, spirit, truth, forgiveness, inclusion. Worth as a broken person. Oh, man, could this be the promised one that we have been longing for for over 700 years? So she says this in verse 25. I know that Messiah called Jesus Christ is or called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And this is the only time, folks, before his trial that he publicly explains who he is. And he looks to this woman and he says, I, the one speaking to you. What's the last three words? I am he. I'm it. I'm the promised one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world. And I can fill your tank with living water. Now, something's going to come up on the side screens. What is this? It's a gas gauge, fuel gauge. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you, when you're driving, never let your gas get lower than halfway? Just by a show of hands. How many of you never let your gas get lower than halfway? Okay, good for you. 
You got some compulsion issues. That's what you have. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Okay, how many of you have ever let your gas tank before get down to a quarter full? How many of you? That's your, that's your kind of thing, before. Okay. Now, how many of you have ever seen that little light that comes on and it looks like this? Okay? Yeah. Like in my vehicle, I know that I have 51.4 miles before I have no more gas. Do you know why I know that? Right, I've ran out of gas before. See, the problem with people like me, and it sounds like a lot of you are like that too, is when you see the word E, you don't think that means empty. You think that means enough to keep on going. Right? Now, I've run out of gas several times in my life. I'm not proud of it, but I have. Since kids, not so much. But before that, a lot. And when you run out of gas, you can get gas. But this is what I want you to hear. When you hit E spiritually, folks, you're at a dangerous, dangerous place. Because you're no longer coming to the well. You're deciding to find the resource that you need more than anything else in your life in other ways. So this is what I want you to do. When you walked in, you should have received a program. And in that program, there was a little chart that looks like this. And we're going to play just a little bit of music. And what I'd like you to do is just take one minute and honestly ask yourself, honestly, what is your, where is your spiritual tank at? So just take a minute. Eyes on your own paper. Don't compare notes. Don't ask somebody else. But just put it down. Okay, I hope you were honest, because it really doesn't matter where you're at. Just be honest with where you're at. Now, this is what I want to talk about before uh, we kind of close out. Regardless of where you're at on that spiritual tank, God can bring you to full. And he desires to give you a refill today, to refill your tank. Jesus, in our beatitude that we've been looking at, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be what? What's the word? In other words, that's what he wants to do. He wants to fill you up. So how do you get your tank full when it's not full? How do I fill my spiritual tank? You hunger and you thirst for what? Righteousness. Now, the problem with our culture is that when anyone ever talks about righteousness, people get very offended and they think, oh, they're talking about 
self-righteousness. But that's not what Scripture talks about. And we should, as people who are trying to understand who Christ is, we should be righteous. Righteous means that we become filled up, that we're accepted, that we're approved, that we're made right with God. That's what righteousness means, that you're approved, you're accepted, you're made right with God. You finally realize that you can't do it on your own, that you've been forgiven and accepted by Christ, and he wants to fill you up. And because of that, you desire to do right, and you desire to see right things be done. Things to be right in your personal life and things to be done right in the world. Just think about what our world would have looked like in the last two months had people across the board chosen to hunger and thirst for righteousness. They would have been filled. No bloodshed. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, there are some people that struggle to deal with the word righteousness and self-righteousness. Because self-righteousness is when a person thinks that they're better than everyone else, and they kind of spew that out. But this is not self-righteousness. This is righteousness that pours down from God to us. And you know when a person starts living a righteous life, when they realize that there is nothing that they can do on their own. Everything has been a gift from a holy God. Why? Because Jesus Christ chose to go to a cross and to die upon it so that you would be made righteous. He was the only righteous one. And this transfer took place. And he said, I'll take on all of your sin, all of your junk, and you can be set free to live a righteous life now because of what I've done. And so this is what happens. A righteous person, they look at that gift of God that they have been accepted and proved, that they want to honor him in doing right things. Now the question is, how do I go about living a righteous life? What can I do to hunger and thirst for righteousness? He says, blessed are you. How can I do that? Well, the overarching answer is simple, but it's going to take some time. And it's this. Spend time daily with Jesus. It's very, very simple. It's just to spend time with Jesus. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2, God says this, Come all who are, what's it say? Thirsty, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. He says, if you come to me, if you hunger and thirst for me, I will fill your tank. I will fill your soul. I'll fulfill it in a way, in the richest way that you can receive. Jesus says this in the New Testament. He says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Jesus is talking about not a checkoff list of what I've done right or what I've done wrong. He's simply saying, why don't you come to the well? Why don't you just come to the well? And if you come to the well, there'll be... 
A pouring out of water that comes and comes and comes if you just take some time at the well. The power of the story of the woman at the well is that as she went to the well, who was already waiting on her? You see, every single time you go to the well, he doesn't look and go, Whoo, not going to be there today. You is messed up. You go to a different well. You go to a well and get cleaned up first, and then you come to this well. No, 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 no. You don't come. No, no, no. She says come. Messed up, screwed up, flubbed up. By the way, that includes all of you. And that includes this guy right here. That's why I go to the well. I got to go to the well so much. I guarantee I have to go to the well more than you because I'm more messed up than you. I got to just keep coming to the well. Now, the question is this, though. Once you get to the well, how are you going to connect with Jesus? Well, there are two ways that you spend time with Jesus when you come to the well. The first one is you pray. You pray. Daily prayer. You spend daily time with Jesus, you'll be filled up. And the first thing you do is you pray. Prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. It's nothing more than that. You don't have to have fancy words and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is the truth about my life. Until the age of 26, I never had a consistent, quiet prayer time with God. I was a pastor for four years and didn't have this. Now, I prayed all the time. Prayed before meals. You know, every time you come and you're a pastor and everyone's sitting there, they just wait. They're like, do I take a bite or do I put it back down? Uh, What am I supposed to do? So you pray. And when you're a pastor, you pray at funerals, you pray at weddings. You pray a lot. You just pray all over the place. Pray for people. But I was never consistently taking a moment where I was at the well and praying to God. Just me and God. And then finally a guy uh, over 15 years ago came to me and he said, Hey, Chris, this is what I do. His name was Dana. And he said, Hey, this is what I do. He says, I write my prayers out. And when he first told me that, I was like, dude, is this a diary? Like, I don't want to be like a girly mon, you know. I'm not going to write this stuff out like a diary. He goes like, no. He says, it helps me focus. I was like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'll try it. And over the past 15 years, I've been doing it. And he gave me an acrostic called Pray, P-R-A-Y. What's that spell? Boy, you're geniuses today. Yeah, Pray. This is it. You can get a copy of our prayer journal. It's right over at the resource table. We made like a hundred of these so that people would actually take them. So don't leave without getting one. But it's a very simple way for you to write your prayer out. The P stands for praise. You just begin your moment. You're at the well. You're like, God, I'm going to praise you for all the things in my life. The R stands for repent. God, you know I'm messed up. This is where I'm messed up. I'm telling you, but I want to change this. I want to change this in my life, but I need your strength. The A is, what do you think it is? Ask. When do you, what do you think you ask for? Anything. People will tell me all the time, well, I just don't pray because, you know, those poor people in Ethiopia, they're the ones that really, you know, let God help them. What? 
You think God's that small that he only thinks about the poor people in Ethiopia? God is so bigger than you, you can't even begin to imagine how big the Son of the living God is when he went to the cross and how big your Father is. He wants to hear you all the time. And so he says, pray. And the last one is why? Yield. It's where you just take some time and you pause and you try to listen to God. Now, when I started this 15 years ago, I would sit there and like within 30 seconds, I'm like, I got nothing, I'm done. And it took a while, but I kept doing it year after year after year after year. And over 15 years of really trying to yield to God, this is what I do now. I take my cell phone out, I put it for seven minutes, and I put it down, I press it, and I try to clear my mind of all things. And if things get in my mind, I write them down and push them away. And I listen. And so on Friday, I was doing this, and I wanted you to know exactly what I sense God telling me. It wasn't audibly. He didn't speak it. Just in my spirit, this is what I heard. The first thing is this. I'm here. You think God would say that if you tried to listen to him? I'm here. Second thing, I love you. You think God would say that to you? Here's the next thing. I don't walk away. You think God would say that to you? Keep reaching out, and then he named a couple of families that I've been reaching out to because they're far from God. You think God would say that? I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you think God would say that? He did say that. He did say that. So today, if you want to be filled up, then you've got to spend some time at the well, and one way you do that is through prayer. A second way is very simple, is through reading this, the Bible. And it's not just reading, but I chose these words specifically, that you meditate on God's Word. That's why this isn't like a textbook in college that you try to read as much as you can to cram for the final test. No, no, no. This is taking small amounts and allowing them to actually change your life. This book means absolutely nothing. All it is is a history book if you just read it for fact. But if you read it for change in your life, that God, I want this to change me, he just keeps going. Because there is so much here. Now, some of you are like, well, where do I start? Well, we have a little tool for you called Five Minutes a day in the Bible. And you can go right over there to the resource table today. And you can get that. And we'll show you where to start, how to start. I have a couple guys right now that I'm discipling. I bought them a Bible. And I said, hey guys, I'm going to get this for you. And we're going to read through this. It's not about depth. Or it's not about distance. It's about depth. How can you get deep with God? Folks, each time you choose to come to the well. God says, I'll fill you up. 
I'll make you whole. Recently, I went to uh, Subway. And you know, Subway, you get your sandwich made, you get your chips, you get your drink, but then you have to go over and you have to go to the soda fountain and get it yourself, right? And so I went to the soda fountain and I saw this. No refills, no refills, no refills, no refills, no refills, no refills, no refills. Page one. Like, I didn't know if there was going to be a page two or three or four, but you know what that means? No refills. You know what Jesus said to the woman at the well? Free refills. Free refills. Free refills. And that's what God wants to give to you today. Wherever your spiritual tank is at, He wants to give you a free refill. Because time with God fills your tank. Let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for anything, these folks would love to uh, pray with you. And, you know, most of the time I, uh, I go back and uh, greet people as they leave. But today I, I felt a prompting earlier that I'm just going to stay at the well. And if you need some time at the well to get some prayer because you're feeling empty right now, and some of you are, if you're honest, you're like, man, I, I feel empty. That I'm not going to talk or say anything about the church. I just want to take a moment to pray some hope in you that God would fill your tank. And I know, you know, John and Emily would do that as well. So if you just need a little time at the well, I wouldn't leave today without being prayed for in such a way that your tank would be filled up. Hey, tonight, kids camp, 6 o'clock. Make sure you're there. Uh, Bring some kids. If you see kids as you're driving along, just joking, just joking. And Safe Families, if you want to go check out Safe Families, go right through that door to the left. But hey, if you're feeling empty today for whatever's in your life, why don't you just take a minute or two, get prayed, get filled up for what God's going to do in your life this next week. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much. that you constantly invite us to come to the well. A well where there is living water and a well that can fill our tanks to overflowing. God, I pray right now that anyone who's in this gym, who is feeling empty today, would come and simply have a moment at the well and allow you, Jesus, to fill them up. Holy Spirit, come. Give hope to those who feel a little empty today. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Know you're loved in this place.